Welcome to episode eight of Smuggling Hope, building your mental immunity. A grandmother sat with her grandson in the kitchen of her home, and she picked up an orange and she looked at the young man and she said, son, if I squeeze this orange, what will come out? And the young boy said, orange juice, grandma. And she said, what about over there? What about those grapes? What if I squeeze those grapes? What will happen? Well, if you squeeze those grapes, you're going to make grape juice. And she looked to her left and she saw apples sitting on the table. And she said, what if we press those apples? What will we be able to make? And he said, oh, apple juice, Grandma. Finally, she looked at the young boy and she said, if life squeezes you, who you are, will be revealed. In transparency's sake, I've had a rough day. And so one one thing I've been reflecting on personally is what St. Augustine said many, many years ago. Valor ergo sum. I err, therefore I am. I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. Because when I fall into these situations where I am not my best self, I realize, obviously, my need for God, but I also realize just my humanity. It's a good assessment of my mental immune system. So if you think about it, like we have a physical immune system, right? So if my physical immune system is strong, I get a cold, my white blood cells attack whatever the virus is or bacteria is, and then I get rid of the disease and I'm healthy. I have a strong immune system. And if I have a weaker immune system, for whatever reason, uh, the, the virus or the cold or the bacteria comes in, but I can't fight it, I can't resist it, and so I get a fever, or I can develop cancer or any number of things. And I want you to think that the same is true for our mental uh, system, that we, we have a mental immune system. And so when that is strong, we can get a negative thought or a negative idea about ourselves or about the world. And, you know, if our mental immunity is strong, we can fight that and get rid of that more easily and overcome that and persevere. But if our mental immune system is weakened for a variety of reasons, we actually, you know, can have these, these uh, negative idea pathogens that enter our mind, like they take over and they can mess us up. They can lead to really bad moods or suicidal thoughts or uh, relapses of behavior patterns, you name it. So we really want to figure out how to make our mental immune system strong. Now we're going to go through some basic things that obviously can make our mental immunity lower or can improve it, right? So the first thing we want to focus on is the physical body. The, the mind, the, the brain is a part of the body and a lot of our cognition, believe it or not, is affected by um, the body structures. So one of the big reasons why we lose our mental immunity is actually because of sleep. As Vince Lombardi said years ago, and anybody here who's uh, gone through uh, sleep deprivation can tell you, fatigue makes cowards of us all. You know, when we are sleep deprived and the worse we sleep, the worse we think. The brain has more inflammation, more agitation, and we are much more negative about ourselves, our life, and we don't, we don't activate uh, on all cylinders. Our minds actually, believe it or not, they, they kind of have this potential to get stuck in drive. So if you've ever had like obsessional thoughts, let's say you've had a fever where you had the same number or an idea or an image stuck in your head, oftentimes 
that's because there's a high rate of inflammation in the body due to the fever, but also, you know, you couple that with sleep deprivation, right? So for us as people, we really want to manage sleep. Now, I'm going to do a separate podcast on sleep because it's actually its own, uh, I think, its own category of wellness. But suffice to say that how much sleep does a person need? Well, the more you think, the more you need to sleep. So if you're a person who, who sleeps a lot, you probably need more than six hours. You probably need at least eight or nine. Some of us need even more than that periodically because we're learning new things or going through difficulties or grieving. And a lot of the, the uh, intense levels of thought and problem solving, especially when it's emotional pain, that happens when we're unconscious. We cannot always integrate our experiences uh, in the here and now, even through communication with other people. We almost have to go into sleep to repair ourselves. And so if we don't have that ability, uh, we don't feel so good. So the image I give to a lot of people is that your brain is kind of like a spring, and the more you think throughout the day, the more it compresses the spring, right? And so when you're asleep, the spring needs to relax so that you wake up with energy, you wake up rejuvenated, you wake up with motivation. So if you're listening to this podcast and you don't feel motivated, if you're listening to this podcast and for whatever reason you just feel like that you're in a slump or you feel very fatigued, chances are your sleep is probably not very good. And even if you're quote unquote asleep or getting enough sleep, you're probably not getting quality sleep or restful sleep. So the first area like where we want physically to look at is you know, for our mental immunity, what is our sleep cycle like? And, and to really improve our sleep and dedicate it. And so one way we can do that is really clear away all technological stuff prior to bed, screens, really intense movies, video games, because that puts blood in the front part of the brain that really controls decision-making. And, and if we put too much blood there, that makes it hard for the blood to travel down to the lower parts of the brain where sleep is active. The other thing you can do to improve your sleep quality in general is to avoid any kind of dense carbohydrates and sugars before bed. So, for instance, before bed, you probably don't want to have a bowl of ice cream. You know, if you if you or your children are prone to, you know, or anybody you know is prone to night terrors, I mean, I know a lot of kids are usually the ones who are sleepwalking or have night terrors because their brain structures are developing. But, but adults have these things too. Uh, usually that happens because you have a lot of sugar or sweets before bed or carbohydrates that are dense and then insulin drops off and that jolts you awake or it can really compress your sleep. In the case with wine and alcohol, people are sometimes familiar with having nightcaps, but that really delays our ability to get deep uh, you know, sleep and initiate uh, the rapid eye movement or uh, REM sleep that people um, find really helpful to integrate uh, their life experience. So, encourage you to watch those things. Those are some simple things. Um, and again, I, I probably will do a whole, uh, you know, a whole, a whole show dedicated to sleep because it is, uh, its own art form, um, its own science, I guess. So, so the other dimension of the physical body is, you know, with the body, what do you put into it physically? So every food that you put into your body, believe it or not, um, it, 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 we have a relationship with it and, it and it alters our mood. If you eat certain foods that are inconsistent with who you want to be, you actually start to be angry or hate yourself. Now, some people overeat and then they, they eat more, but they hate themselves, right? So we got to be very 
aware of the kinds of foods we put in our bodies and how they affect our mood. If you eat a lot of sugar, sugar accelerates the growth of cancer for those of you who don't know, right? So sugar, you know, is essentially, is at least the way that we process it with high fructose corn syrup in the United States, sugar essentially um, is a poison. It has a lot of petroleum products in it and it reduces your immune system, right? So that's why a lot of people, I know we, we talk about like people getting sick during flu season, but the truth is, is that we're also eating copious amounts of sugar in, in little, uh, you know, we're drinking a lot as a culture. We're consuming a lot of cakes and pastries during the winter months. And we eat a crap ton of sugar around Halloween, don't we? So we're eating and eating and eating sugar. Why wouldn't we get more sick over the course of, uh, you know, um, those the flu season? So if you ever wanted to improve your physical health and your mental health, reduce the amount of processed sugar and processed foods in general because they, they carry high levels of inflammation markers. And when your body is inflamed, your blood, uh, your blood um, you know, uh, becomes acidic in its constitution, right? When you are actually not stressed as a person, your blood is alkaline. Um, you know, that's, that, that's just a very weird, uh, you know, thing, but that is a reality, right? So essentially when we eat certain foods, our bodies literally think that they're uh, infected with something. So um, be careful about the foods you put into your body and make sure that they're going to give you energy for the life you have. Some people listening to this podcast are very physical. They're physical because they're firemen. They're physical because they're marathoners or they're people that like to be in the gym or they're moms with a bunch of kids and they got to run around or they're dads that are going up and you know doing you know whatever it is. You want to have foods that energize you and don't reduce your quality of life. Hi, it's Dan. I hope you're enjoying today's show. If you want to take your marriage to the next level, download a copy of my free ebook, Love Finds a Way. In it, you'll find six key principles to start strengthening your marriage. Just click the link in the episode description. Share it with others. Because Catholic marriages should be lighthouses in the dark times we live in. Now back to the show. Now, with, with what we're talking about with sleep and with food, we're, we're trying to activate the body's ability to have energy. The body has to have energy to keep up with the ideas that the body generates. If the body generates ideas or wants to respond to inclinations to dreams or you know, goals and aspirations, like let's say, for instance, I want to go and get in good health, but I don't have the sleep or I don't have uh, you know, um, you know, the, the energy I can't, I can't follow through with my goals of going to the gym. Or let's say I have a desire to write or um, apply for a job, but I am, I'm not you know, sleeping correctly and I'm not eating correctly. It's going to be more uh, difficult and I'm going to be more unmotivated to pull that off. And now that I don't do that, I'm going to get depressed because my, I don't have the types of energy that would allow me to fulfill what I desire. And so we get into this weird, vicious cycle where we get depressed by our own goals. The other dimension from the, the nature of the body is going to be the body's level of activity. Now, the more that we move our bodies and use our bodies, the more that it holds off a lot of other things. But one of the biggest things that moving the body does is it reduces the attraction of fears. As we age and get older, we become more and more afraid of falling in certain body movements. And if you think about it, we become more restricted. And so 
people are more prone to injury as they get older, um, but they also are more prone to more uh, psychological injury depending on their ability to um, feel confident in their body. If, if we have, you know, if, if we, we don't use our body much, right, we, we're on the couch all the time and we've, you know, maybe grown to a, a size or a weight or a health, you know, that we're not very fond of, we, we start to fear death. We start to fear people. We start to feel fear different situations because we don't believe that our body has the capacity to defend itself, to move, to get off the ground. You think about it. If if you are a 70-year-old man who's been doing mobility exercises, and I know a man who moves like a cat and he's in his 70s, well, he's not very afraid of falling. But you will find somebody who's 55 who is afraid of falling, and they can easily break their hip. And a lot of it has to do with, well, how have we invested in our health have we invested in, in making sure that the body is not, um, you know, it, the body remains free so that the mind becomes free and we're not acquiring these, these fears. And again, this is not about just simply, uh, you know, just being physically healthy. Mobility in general, like, is a great sign of health and longevity, but it also keeps away these fears. Now, the other thing to uh, having to do with our uh, immune system and keeping our mental immunity high is really finding a way to not take ourselves so seriously, to try to keep a humorous attitude so that we keep off pride because, as I've said before on this show, um, fear sticks to pride, right? So for us to keep our sense of humor, for us to keep our, our, ourselves laughing and joyful, that helps to, in many ways, um, keep our mind healthy and relaxed. Uh, you know, if, if you think about it, with without that, if, if we aren't keeping a sense of humor, if we aren't being able to laugh and make jokes about ourselves or about you know, the things of the world, we'll get brittle and it'll be very hard for us to tolerate setbacks. So super helpful for us as people to, to really like share in, in, in the joy and a sense of humor. Uh, one way that you can cultivate that sense of relaxation mentally is obviously you can be around people that are funny. You can listen to comedians. But remember, comedians are, are, are interesting creatures because comedians are just showing you the truth, but just through another vein, just through another direction. Um, but it is the truth, just a different uh, way of sharing it. And so you, you may find that that's something that you can easily do. But the other ways that we activate that sense of, 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 of humility, again, because the word humor in many ways comes from this uh, activation of humility, is through practices of gratitude, which, again, um, help to relax and connect the brain all throughout so that we can kind of uh, uh, recognize our strengths and resources as, as people and not lose hope when difficulties arise and come up with plans so that we can take action. Uh, gratitude, believe it or not, helps us to become more um, you know, uh, optimistic. And optimism is a choice. It's, it's something you can choose, believe it or not. Years ago, my wife, um, you know, she said like, you know, that she'd prefer if I was an optimist. And I, for the most part, up till that point, I really didn't think much about it. I believed myself to be a pessimist. And I, I think I'm a recovering pessimist at this point. But the, the fascinating thing that she shared to me, and I don't even know if she remembers it, is that, uh, you know, uh, what converted me was that pessimists, pessimists die sooner than optimists. And uh, the reason is, is that pessimists experience their reality as 
limited and, un, and unable to change, right? So for instance, if I fail a math test, I interpret that failure, that setback in life as, you know, I, I'm terrible at math and that will never change. So I should probably just take up a different, uh, you know, academic pursuit. Versus the optimist, the optimist, you know, has hope built in. They have the same setback. They fail a math test and they say, well, you know, I, I didn't sleep enough and I didn't and I didn't study well enough for this exam. And so next time, next time I will study more and next time I will get more sleep and I'll do better. So built into their response to reality is possibility. The the pessimist doesn't have that. And so they become helpless and then essentially you know, they, they succumb oftentimes to the difficulties they're around because they don't see opportunities and they can't take them, so they get stuck. So gratitude helps us to become more optimistic and to choose that optimistic path. Now, if you have the energy because you've been taking care of the body and you've been able to sleep, because remember, if you aren't sleeping correctly and you're not eating correctly, you're not going to be able to have the energy and your brain isn't going to want you to even be around people. And so the next component to building your mental immune system is really being around people who give you energy and support you in your state in life. Now, a lot of times we're around people, but being around people, oftentimes we're not deliberate about being vulnerable with them or cultivating friendships. It's just that we're just around certain people. And we don't think that that environment, right, the environment of people we're around has much of an impact. But we even know from research that if one of your friends, one of your close friends is overweight, even though that may not be something that you you don't eat together, you don't go out to eat together, you don't, maybe that person eats at home all the time. Um, but if one of your friends is in bad health and they're very close to you and they have that ability to influence you, you will also you know, in general, you have a higher probability of being overweight yourself. Same thing if you are very close with a person who struggles with an addiction or they overdrink or their marriage is bad. And so you'll see this a lot of times. And it's very sad, especially with people uh, going through divorce and separation. And if you are or you know anybody that's having a difficult time in their marriage, it's super important that they pay attention to who they spend time with, because for the most part, marriage uh, when people are contemplating divorce, they are in many ways in a state of hopelessness. And so when they are around another person who is an environmental factor that offers them no hope and basically tells them, well, you know, this is just the way it is, it even makes it easier still to become hopeless. And so now we have an environment that is securing us into a hopeless mindset. Now, obviously, there are situations where these things happen, but in general, sadly, uh, you know, people fall into these situations out of both desperation and the lack of hope in many ways because they interpret their reality in, in a negative way, which, again, is quite human. Remember, to be a pessimist feels logical. I know I, I, I'm a recovering pessimist. You know, to give up feels logical. You know, I, I, I can get that firsthand. I think most people that have been in difficult situations can have the compassion to recognize that. But be aware of who you spend your time with. The old adage that we are, you know, in general, a combination of the five people that we spend the most time with, right? We are, we are essentially a product of those five people that have most influence. So be careful who you spend time with 
or at least be deliberate about it and make sure that you're around people that have something that you want and hopefully they're people of virtue. With that, it helps you to feel secure. It helps you to also feel like that you are less alone and it supports you. It supports you in your, your, your goals of fitness, your goals of being a good husband or wife or religious, your goals of trying to live your vocation or to, to be chased or to hit your mark for school or accomplish what you need to do or be a better parent. But if you don't have a community of support, the habits that you want in your life cannot be sustained. For all habits to be uh, built and sustained, there has to be a community of belief. There are four steps to habit formation, and that is the biggest one that people struggle with. So, and, and again, that, that may be its own topic at some point about habits. But for us, we want our mental immune system to be improved. Well, then we need to be with other people who are healthy. We don't want to be you know, going around the cholera ward uh, if, we, um, if we want to be healthy. We need to be around people who are pursuing the same virtues as we are. And just because you're around people who are pursuing the same virtues doesn't mean that you avoid everybody else. It just means that you need people that are feeding those uh, those fires for virtue that make you feel supported so that you don't feel like you're crazy. Because remember, not everybody's dreams are the same. Not everybody is after the same thing. And so we want to be very deliberate about where we spend our time and our efforts. Have you ever wondered what the leading cause of divorce is? It's not addiction, infidelity, lack of intimacy, or incompatibility. It's actually criticism. Criticism underlies all the behaviors that lead to divorce. Criticism kills connection between married couples. If you want to learn ways to stop criticizing and start connecting with your spouse, check out heartsrenewed.org for dynamic exercises on how to shape new conversations with your spouse that will give you the kind of marriage you signed up for, all from the comfort of your home. Now, the, the, the next thing that we need to pay attention to if we're trying to build our mental immunity is the diet we feed our mind. Now, in general, right, this is kind of a slippery slope, but for us as people, this is the age of what I would call doom porn, D-O-O-M. So there's this obsession with what is wrong and what is going to fall apart. People are looking for worst case scenarios all over the place. And again, their, their concerns might be even valid, but here's the thing. Studying problems perpetually doesn't offer you actual solutions. If anything, it makes you very upset and gives you uh, more reasons to not get to sleep. So you wanna be paying attention to the diet you feed your mind because we want the mind balanced. In general, the brain is always hungry for a problem because it's designed for survival. So it's not a shocker that the thing you click on every day, the thing that you click the most of is, is about fear of some sort, the, the stock market cri crisis or, you know, some conspiracy that, you know, somebody, you know, came up with that, you know, actually may be true, but you think it's a, whatever it is, it's all designed in many ways to agitate because if it, if it gets under your skin, makes you afraid, you will click on it. Marketers know that advertisers know that, you know, people on digital marketing campaigns definitely know that. So be careful about the diet that you feed your mind and you're going to have to probably do more legwork because you have to find the sources of hope and joy 
the places where you have these conversations with people, the people that you know you meet, asking them what they write, what they've read, what things have influenced their thought processes. Right? It's a big reason why scripture is so important because scripture starts to groove out your mind, and that's why they say ignorance of scripture is ignorance of God. And so you really should start with the Bible and and the Gospels so that your mind has more of an understanding of the mind of God and so that your mind isn't falling into these grooves of, of terrible worldly fears. So make sure that you're, you're, you're feeding your mind the things that are going to make you stronger and depend less on yourself and more on God and allow you to see possibility and not limitation. Because if you feed your mind the wrong things, you're going to rely on yourself and you're going to get more and more afraid. And then you're going to get obsessive about the information that you think that you need to find. And the crazy part is, is that you're only going to want to find one type of information. So if you live through the COVID years, as many of us have, and the elections and, you know, all the stuff that has happened with, you know, all of the, the crises throughout the America, you know, the, the situation here. Uh, the reality of it is, is people became very much obsessed with only one form of information and blind to the fact that there were inf there's information in multiple places. And, you know, with that obsessional quality comes the, the, the desire to really cling to where we feel comfortable, right? Comfortable with what we think we know, because that's because we're, we're essentially like misers with information. We think that we know what Google said, and it must be true, so we're okay. And so all of the things we look for are to validate what Google said, or everything we, it's all to validate what Fox News said, or whatever, whatever side of the coin you're on. Um, it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you know, the, the, the truth is that they lied to you, right? And, and, and hopefully, I mean, people, they're still lying to you. And so, again, but, but God is not lying to you. And there are great holy men and women and legends and saints and, and remarkable men that, and women that have lived throughout the years. Why don't we read what they've read? Why don't we have conversations that are worthy of our title of Christians? Why aren't we people of hope? So again, you know, we don't want to eat things and put things into our minds either that darken them, right? We, we want to make sure that diet is healthy and, and gives us mental energy, flexibility, and that we don't cling to anything. Because again, once you cling to something, now you got problems. Now you got you got blind spots. Because we all, again, you know, we all have a tendency to be wrong about something. Now, the last thing that I would say that becomes very helpful, and again, we could go on for probably multiple hours. I could write a book on this, but I, I do, sadly don't have the time. But I, I think that you know, the, the thing that becomes very helpful for us, especially, is our remember, our minds are conservative, meaning they do the same things over and over again. And they believe that if you, you know, whatever it does the most is, is supposedly safe. But that is not uh, correct. That is an error that the brain makes, right? So that's why we can do terribly unhealthy things. We can be in bad relationships. We can do drugs. We can do all types of stuff. And because we're so familiar with these habits, we uh, think them to be normal or healthy which they are not. And so one thing that we can do to break out of this uh, desire for comfort is to do things that are difficult periodically, do things that are difficult and virtuous. You know, um, it's not hitting yourself in the hand with a hammer. It might be getting up five minutes earlier and going for a walk. It might be, you know, having, uh, you know, you know, uh, maybe, maybe no dessert this week. 
you know, and again, you know, in Catholic tradition, we have these ascetic principles, but what they do is they help uh, us to not be consumed with the passions of the body. So the mind is freer. When we can do difficult things, the mind becomes freer because it's not obsessed with comfort and pleasure. And those things in many ways blind, blind us and prevent us sometimes from taking action and seeing possibility because the more we give in to pleasure and the more we just seek out comfort and su- sustaining comfort, like maintaining it as our status quo, we actually atrophy in confidence and get more and more afraid of the world. And so then a lot of us develop anxiety. Well, anxiety is essentially a response to um, failed activity, meaning the opposite of anxiety is confidence. It's not peace. A lot of people will say, well, the opposite of anxiety is peace or calm. No, the peace and calm come from a confident action, right? I get nervous about the midterm exam. I study because that's what the nervousness is for. And then after I study, I feel the calm but there's an activity, there's an action. And then, God willing, I do good on the exam and then I become even more confident. You know, but we, but we want to, you know, anxiety is just an awareness of possibility, anticipation of a future event. And so we need to replace it with confident experience of reality. And the same thing goes, you know, for depressions because depressions can keep us ruminating in the past instead of serving the moment and taking action constructively in the present. We decide to either, you know, play the woulda, coulda, shoulda game or go back to a place that doesn't exist and and feel like a victim or feel sad that we're missing things instead of being where our feet are. And so, again, the more that you cultivate this ability to be uncomfortable periodically, the more your brain is calloused and ready to take action and has a higher level of what we call distress tolerance. So so there you have it. These are some significant ways to build your mental immune system and boost it up for this crazy chaotic time we live in. So uh, I, I appreciate you for joining us today. So go out and smuggle some hope wherever you can. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Smuggling Hope. If you want to maximize the impact of the podcast you just listened to, try to find one thing that you thought was helpful and teach and share it with somebody in your life. When you teach and share what you've learned, it stays with you, and it helps to internalize what we've learned and get that seed to grow. I hope that the seeds of hope continue to grow in your life. So welcome back to the B-Sides where I answer your questions and I appreciate you sending these in. I've been uh, very um, uh, humbled by the fact that people have responded and been participating in this part. So keep sending me your emails or your voice messages. Now this question, you know, this week was about um, somebody had indicated that they go to confession and they don't feel like they're making progress in their spiritual life the way they want and in the areas where they need to grow and they keep going to confession for the same things. And um, they indicated that they were scrupulous, right? So people have scrupulosity. If, you, if, if you're familiar with what scrupulosity is, it means oftentimes that there is a fixation that a person feels about sin, fears of hell, 
and oftentimes there is, um, you know, a need to uh, overly communicate or overly confess about their sins. Usually these are very pious people. They, they know right from wrong, but they ruminate on their sins and they worry or doubt the mercy of God. Sometimes they are, are very fixated and harsh on themselves. Now, I mean, a funny way to test if you're a scrupulous person or not, um, I have been periodically in my life, is when you go to confession, how many things do you confess? And if you're confessing like 300 different things and you're spending an hour and a half in the confessional with the priest and he's like, I'm sorry, we got to go, I got to say mass. Well, chances are you might be scrupulous because you are not perfectly contrite. You're not perfectly sorry for 300 different things. That becomes you just feeling compulsed to have to talk about these things because you feel uncomfortable. And so if you're going to prepare for confession and want more out of the experience, I mean, obviously God's grace is sufficient, right? So it's not like, you know, but there are things that I, I guess that may help because grace builds on nature. One thing that I've done that I find very helpful to approach the confessional and to uh, be open to the graces of both you know, Christ through the priest and the experience of the confessional in general as I encounter myself and my weakness is to think about what I struggle with and to think about what I want instead. So, you know, think about the whole concept of um, repentance. Repentance means a complete change of mind. So what a lot of us forget to think about before we go to confession is, what do I want to be there instead of the sin? Right. So let's say if I'm going to confession and I'm confessing that I'm impatient with my children or my wife, you know, the, the question becomes, what do I need? What do I want? What is the virtue that I want to be there instead? Also, I want to be thinking about what are the actual, you know, things that are getting in the way of me becoming the person I want to be in my state in life. If I'm a priest, what are the things that I really struggle with that are really blocking me from being the kind of man of God that I want to be? If I'm a mother with a husband, well, how, to be the kind of wife and mother, what is getting in the way of that? Because when I seek out Christ in the confessional, it's like I'm going to see somebody who is the healer that will give me the grace to move towards that person. But I need to think about who that person is. So that when I'm there, I take it both seriously and I have a plan for repentance so I can turn away from these things and, uh, and to think about that, you know, so that, you know, if I, well, what do I want instead of being uh, angry or using profanity or what do I want instead of lust? What's going to be there? I need to be a, a more generous spirit. I need to figure out how to love my spouse or myself or, you know, people in my life more to be more disciplined. And, and you, you, we need to figure out what is going to be there instead, because we are always sinners. As Mother Teresa used to say, we go to confession as sinners with sin. We leave confession as sinners without sin. And as a, a good Irish priest told me years ago, as I, I complained to him and I said, Father Liam, you know, why do I have to keep coming back to confession and, you know, and, and, and you know, saying the same things over and over again? He said, well, well, you know, you know, son, you know, the, the good Lord, you know, enjoys and loves confession. I mean, there is an intimacy in our experience of forgiveness that our Lord wants. And so I encourage you to think about as you go to confession or you think about entering into that experience, what is really getting in the way of the kind of person I want to be so that your confession is not rambling on of multiple offenses or generating reasons and ways that you've sinned 
you know, because like, you know, fixating on, you know, the judgment of God is going to prevent you from sometimes being open to the mercy and the counsel of Christ in the confessional. But what is getting in the way of your um, uh, advancement in virtue? And what are you really sorry for? And what do you want to be there instead? So I hope you find that helpful and go out there and and, uh, smuggle some hope wherever you can. And uh, God bless you.